Today's episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this. Hi, I'm Ray, avid reader, film fan, long-term depression sufferer and caffeine addict. Whether you're a big reader or just love to watch romantic comedies, in this podcast, I cover both. Mondays are all about the books I've been reading, anything from murder mysteries to mythology and science fiction. On Thursdays, I am tugging at the strings holding rom-coms together. Are they full of stereotypes? What makes them fun? And I'm always looking for suggestions. On Thursdays, I also talk about my lifetime of experience with various mental health diagnoses and how I cope with them on a daily basis. So, where does the coffee come in, you may be asking? Well, I can't function on any day of the week before I've had my third cup of the dark roasted bean. Welcome to the interesting world that is my brain with every single episode of Not Before Coffee. You can find it wherever you get your podcast fix. Spooky times are back and they're scarier than ever. Yep, it's our Halloween special for 2021 and it's nothing quite as frightening as a friendly ghost and his obnoxious uncles in today's episode of that song from that movie. It sounded weird with the uh, delay, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Scary Journey for the Very Best and Worst of Ghostly Movie Songs. I am your flaccid little worm host, Dietrich, and as always, we're joined by, he looks like Oprah on hiatus, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that joke. I was assuming Oprah didn't, but uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, unusual. I did think it was like unnecessarily mean to Oprah. It was, yeah. It was really, it was really cruel, like really, really cruel, and like so completely unnecessary. They won't get away with it now. No, definitely not. And I think it's time that we sat down and had that little chat, Ben. Where are we going with this? That's it. That was the little chat. The little chat was a suggestion. You see, when a mummy and a daddy. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe you introduced yourself as being flaccid, dude. Uh, I was going to give it to one of you guys, but I thought, mm, it's the host prerogative to make fun of myself. Yes, plus you're assuming. Exactly. I can speak for myself. <laughs> yes, we'd hope. What have you been watching this week? I saw Bond. Oh, okay. Any good? I'd say it's the worst of the good ones. So <laughs> I think that would go hit, miss, hit, miss, hit to round off Daniel Craig. Okay, so it's in the middle for you of the Daniel Craig's. What you're saying is it's worse than Casino Royale and Skyfall. And Skyfall, yes, but much better than Quantum of Solace and Spectre. Spectre. Yeah. It, it's good, just not in the realm of the other two, which I think are very good. And I'm sure we'll cover that again some point in the future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Maybe. One day. What about you, Alex? Um, other than watching uh, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 on repeat endlessly every single day. And then day. it ends there. It ends there. <laughs> well, it actually does in this household because we never seem to make it to Toy Story 4. Um, we just loop back around. We watched the first episode of the new season of Succession, which I've mentioned many times on this podcast, and you two still haven't watched it. Too many um, times, Alex. So, yes, I won't, yeah. I won't go further into that. <laughs> We've bullied him effectively. <laughs> yeah. People are sick of hearing about it. Pretty much. What about you, do? I've watched two films this week. Saw one at the cinema, which was Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Venom. And was there any? Well, yeah. It's uh, 
90-minute action movie with Woody Harrelson as the villain. It's full of carnage. Yeah, Mark Kermode actually gave it quite a good review for that reason. He said, it's 90 minutes, it's packaged, you get in, you get out, it does what it says on the tin. Oh yeah, it's so frantic. I saw Andy Serkis saying that he deliberately made it 90 minutes to be like non-stop. And within five minutes, I was like, oh, this film is not stopping. It's like we're five minutes in. <laughs> sweating. Just <laughs> just sweating, dabbing your forehead. Sweating off his seat. <laughs> is this 4D? <laughs> and uh, in more fun news for the podcast's future, I watched Charlie's Angels. Ah, which one? Um, the one with Cameron Diaz, yeah, Lucy yeah, okay. Liu and Drew Barrymore. The only one. Well, full thrall as well. I saw that in the cinema with you, Alex. Did you? Well, yeah. You, for some reason, my parents invited you, invited you to come see it. Uh, it was not how either of us wanted to spend our evening. I imagine. <laughs> I don't. But we were not. Know. We were not in the space to say no. <laughs> it's a good film. Yeah. It's really not. <laughs> there are many, many things wrong with us. It sounds to me like you were the only one not enjoying it. <laughs> We had to pull you away, <laughs> having the same reaction as Dee to Venom. <laughs> Sweating so much as an 11-year-old boy. Well, this film really is full throttle. <laughs> <laughs> this week, our scary journey takes us back to May 1995 for the live-action adaptation of Casper and its accompanying songs. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, it's, uh, it's my turn this week, so hit the jingle. Time for some history. Yeah. Okay, so May 1995. Blackburn Rovers were crowned the champions of the Premier League. The in power Conservative government had a disastrous local election night with just 11 seats. And it, the biggest news in Britain was that the BBC unveiled its brand new soap opera, Castles, to very low ratings. I was about to say, I'm like, is this one of yours, Alex? Is this one of the things that you watch in your household? No, I've never even heard of it. Castles. Yep, yeah, I, I thought at first it was that Nathan Fillion show, and I was like, surely that's not been going that yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, that ca- castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it averaged just 3.2 million viewers over its run and was eventually cancelled in August. And when I was looking at it going, 3.2, that's quite a lot. And it's all like how perception has changed. Yeah, yeah like back then, fact, four channels, yes, 3.2 was disastrous. Now they go, Line of Duty's had 3 million people watching it. Yeah. I used to get a lot of entertainment from at the from looking at the viewing figures every week. And I remember like Coronation Street every week would get 13 million viewers in this country. So there's yeah. the bar. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty sure even, like uh, there was nothing on the other, on BBC 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, that even got close to the top 20 of BBC 1 and ITV. And the only thing was yeah. Top Gear, which was on BBC 2. It wasn't even a good Top Gear. <laughs> sure, leave that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, definitely leave that there. <laughs> Over in America, legendary Superman actor Christopher Reeve is paralysed from the neck down after being thrown from a horse during a race. I didn't actually know how it happened. Oh, really? So I, I sort of looked into it and it's, uh, it's not very nice. No, uh, it was not. Basically, his horse refused to jump over because he was tangled up in the reins of the horse. He basically swung off the front and went headfirst into the the jump, I guess, or the fence. Awful. Oh, I've got I've got a t- I've got a tidbit on Chris Reeve because Superman Two is one of the few films, and I think very very few films that has a hundred out of a hundred on Metacritic. <laughs> really? Yeah, same as Godfather Two, I think. <laughs> is that a joke? 
Is that Paddington the worst thing the world? I don't know why. It just has. I'm going to just have to check this now, but... This better be worth it. No, I think it's Superman 1. <laughs> well, still has him in it, though. <laughs> it does, yeah, I know. True. He wasn't on any quest then. Or is that the third one? That's the fourth one, isn't it? Oh, there's too the many. The quest for peace. And uh, my final piece of news, in the video game world, the first ever Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, is held in Los Angeles. Wow. The big two video game companies at the time, Nintendo and Sega, were there, along with some relative newcomer I've never heard of called Sony. Mm. Sony? No, I'm not sure. (laughs) That's plural. Ah, right, okay. (laughs) You got any any of them Sony's? (laughs) So, uh, So I had a look to see what they announced at E3. Uh, see if any of this uh, tickles you fancy. Ooh, so Nintendo led with the reveal of its headache generator, the Virtual Boy, Skip. which was its attempt at a 3D. Skip. Uh, Does nothing for me. <laughs> okay. Sega shocked the world Sega. by not only unveiling the Sega Saturn, but yeah. announcing it was going on sale that same day. What? <laughs> Imagine that in real life now. Oh, by the way, the PS6 is out. <laughs> Didn't uh, Apple don't do that? Like, uh, oh, one more thing. It's available right now. And then the crowd goes wild. It sounds like something that would happen, call back to, like, on an Oprah show. <laughs> yeah. You're <laughs> getting a Sega Saturn. You're getting yeah, a Sega just... Saturn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sega Saturn, though. No, that is a, that's a proper console. What, did the uh, did the Alex household have a Sega Saturn? No, we didn't, actually. I, I wish we had one. We had a Sega Mega Drive and a Sega Master System and a Sega Dreamcast, but we didn't have a Sega Saturn. I, I remember your Dreamcast well. Yeah. Virtual Tennis? Yeah, Virtual Tennis. Virtual Striker, other games with the word virtual in it. <laughs> yeah. And the be- I-, I still maintain the best Sonic game of all time, but that's probably just. <laughs> There's not a long competition because they're mostly were shite. <laughs> that is true. Well, this one was a particularly good one. It's true. What did happen after Sega Saturn's uh, announcement, though, is that Sony decided to announce that the PlayStation's upcoming launch would be $100 cheaper than the Saturn, completely undercutting. Sega's big announcement completely. Nice. Sega would later die. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of dying, today's movie is Casper. That that sort of that segue worked, right, guys? Yes, Sega Segway. So Casper, directed by Brad Silberling and produced by Steven Spielberg, is the big screen adaptation of the ever popular Casper the Friendly Ghost comics and cartoons from the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and then not much ever since. The movie takes the story of a cute ghost child with a New York accent and freshens it up (laughs) to an extent and places it in live action with the help of groundbreaking CGI effects. So before we get into the nitty gritty, what do we think of this one? I mean, I am a big fan of this film. (laughs) I don't know if that's uh, controversial or not, but I enjoy this film a lot. And I always have. And I probably always will. (laughs) Any reasons? Uh, Well, many. Um... (laughs) <laughs> Please elaborate. This is an audio format. <laughs> Stop describing with your hands, Alex. He keeps texting me the way he thinks. <laughs> just in emoji form. Um, I just think it's fun. I just think it's fun. And I think it also it, it hits on an emotional level that you don't expect. Like every time I hear that like sort of little piano refrain that, that features throughout, I get I literally get goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just, I just like it, and it, and I think it really epitomizes the '90s in a film. I mean, the outfits that Christina Ricci wears in this film. There's just so many buttons, and like, I don't know why that's so '90s. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I think in a lot Fair. of ways the film is trying to be like a Tim Burton film and doesn't quite reach 100%. that level. But 
it's a children's film, so I guess it's okay. And it has a lot of good cameos in it, and it has Eric Idle in it for some unknown reason. Um, and it's got Bill Pullman in it, and obviously after he um, quit his job searching for ghosts, he went on to be the president of America, so... Yep, same continuity. Well, yep. obviously, it's quite clear. <laughs> but there's one thing that, that really does grate me in this film. As much as I love it in every other way, it's the inconsistency of the ghosts. And <laughs> I don't know why it annoys me so much, but when uh, Bill Pullman's character and the lady character, I think it was called Carrigan, maybe? When they both die and come back as ghosts, they've got hair and clothes, and yet Casper and the other three don't. Why? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. It really, it really annoys She's me. also a giant. And she's also huge as a guest, yeah. But I feel like that's okay because they're allowed. They sort of can like transform themselves in other ways. But it's, it's just really annoying. I just don't understand. I just don't understand why it's like that. It's such a strange design <laughs> choice. Because like you could argue as well that spoiler when when the Bill Bowman's wife, the the mother of of Christina Ricci's character, comes back at the end, she's not a ghost <gasps> because she's kind of like an angel. She's passed over, so it's fine that she's a fully like a regular woman. Even though again, that still sort of annoys me a little bit. I like that she enters the room with like her arms spread out in like yes. a T position, like it is I. <laughs> but she's wearing like all red as well. It's like she's the devil rather than the yeah. Angel. Very. It's, it's a really <laughs> weird like entrance. <laughs> but yeah, I do love that she has the arms out wide, like like uh, Angel Gabriel descending on the shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> very much so, isn't it? Yeah. There is something you've kind of picked up on there accidentally, which is something I thought when I watched the film back recently, is I don't remember any of the characters' names. I only know Casper's name is Casper because the franchise is Casper. I remember the three ghosts. One of them's got stinky. Oh, well, well yeah. Fatso. Stretch, stinky and fatso. Yes. But I mean, like the, I meant the, like the human characters. Yeah, yeah Bill Pullman and Christina Ritchie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. They've avoided typecast well. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think I'll like summarise it with the Tim Burton comparison because I, I do like this film, but I think what I like about it is its style. I think the narrative sort of overall works well, makes sense, but like how they get from like A to B, B to C, I think is just very like, just just do it. Like the, 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 you know, people will ask questions. No, no, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Why is there a shaft in this bar? Doesn't matter. Just he falls down. It. He dies. Fine. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Why are the ghosts allowed in the bar and no one cares? No one seems to be batting an eye. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We just gotta get. We gotta kill Bill Pullman's character. Spoiler. Um, but like the the design of the house, like the music sets a certain ambience. The chair ride. My God. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted yeah. to ride on that chair. Um, was it ever made as a ride somewhere? It feels like it, it should. It, well, I guess it reminds you very much of like Haunted Mansion at Disney, but I've, you know, because you, you're sat in like giant chairs in that, aren't you? Yeah, but this one, yeah. like, you'd get a shave, you get your hair combed. <laughs> well, well, I mean, not well, <laughs> judging by Eric <laughs> well, Idle. Well, what I, what I do wonder is like, how successful was it when Casper's dad used to go down it? Because it looks pretty violent. <laughs> when <there's laughs> <blood to laughs> yeah, maybe that's what, that's, maybe that's how he maybe did it, really. <laughs> Yeah, I I love like the little conversations they have about death and how they treat that subject matter in what you know, they could easily just brush it past and you know oh it's ghosts very easy. I think the narrative's a bit meh. I just like the the little interactions, the way the set's been designed. I think all of that is fantastic and still stands up very well. Yeah, I agree completely with that. I know for myself when I watched as a child, I don't really have many memories of the whole movie other than the reveal of 
spoilers, human form Casper, which <laughs> I remember being utterly disappointed by because he just looks like any American kid <laughs> in any American 90s movie. Yeah. Junior Brad Pitt. He's not as good looking as Brad Pitt. He does do a good smolder, though. He's just very blonde hair, blue eyes, isn't he? He's just very, uh... yeah. Yeah. He looks remarkably like the other guy, though, doesn't he? I think that's that's confusing. You know, the other one who's kind of, like, really, really nice to Christina Ricci's character, but then, for some unknown reason, he's also playing the prank later in the film. <laughs> and, yeah, he's quickly, like, destroyed. The film does seem like it ends too sudden. <laughs> like, they're just dancing, and then everyone runs away, and they're like, huh, you know, funny, and then the song plays. <laughs> they just wanted some of that Venom 2 piercing. <laughs> well, like the whole part with the the Carrigan character makes no sense really because she's hired Bill Pullman, whose name I can't character name I can't remember, to find the girls yeah, to, to get them out of the house. But yet, her and Eric Idle are sneaking around the house. It's their house. They own the house. <laughs> yeah. She owns the house. Why would yeah. she be sneaking about in there? It makes no sense. I feel like you could yeah. get rid of those characters and it wouldn't affect the plot of the movie at yeah, all. Yeah, not really. <laughs> not really, would it? But it's like as well, like the fact that she kills herself just so she could unlock the safe. This seems excessive. I know she doesn't kill herself necessarily, but that is what they're trying to do, aren't they? They're trying to kill each other, so one of them will be dead. It's like, it's excessive. I find, I liked how they defeated her by convincing her that she has nothing to keep her bound to Earth. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was, you know, in a MacGuffin sense, quite clever. (laughs) How they, It was, but she didn't know what the treasure was. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's just because she says it like, you know, I I have everything, and then she just (laughs) destroys herself. Um, because it's that easy to pass on to the next life. Like, Casper, just say it out loud. <laughs> I have everything, even if you don't. You never find out what, what he's searching for, though, do you? No. Trains. More trains. <laughs> These are pretty cool trains. In terms of uh, watching this as an adult, because I watched it again a few months ago, I watched this movie whilst hungover. And by watch it, I mean I was in the room concentrating on not throwing up. Mm. The film was fine. Sappy. Yes. But there's this fun moments with Stretch, Stinky and Fat, so it's a kid's movie with great effects, which brings me on to the CGI of this movie, which, to say this movie came out in 1995, the computer effects are, like, incredible. They do well, don't they? Like, I, I regularly watch, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, the Corridor Crew YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. I've I, I, yeah. Not religiously, but I've seen a lot of their things. Yeah, they did an episode about Casper, and they were sort of breaking down, like, not only just how incredible it is if it was released today in terms of how good it is, but like the fact it was 1995 and like if you compare that with other movies that came out at the time, like Mortal Kombat, where the thing comes out of the hand, <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a, a world apart. Yeah. Um, is it um, was it Amblin Entertainment? Yeah, it will be because it was Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, yeah, forefront of a lot of advancements in technology. I mean, I guess you yeah. go a few years before in Jurassic Park and everything. They know what they're doing. <laughs> and it, well, it, it's not even just the the special effects, like with uh, so like Jurassic Park. It's also how the movie has been directed and how the actors are being moved from side to side and being able to interact with something that just isn't there. Yeah. It doesn't really feel quite often in the film, I think, that Christina Ricci isn't actually talking to anybody. She, yeah, for a child actor still at this time, and I know she's obviously got pedigree before, she does very well. I don't, is it the tennis ball on a stick trick still? Um, was it, yeah, there was a few of those, yeah, but according to the director, most of it was just basically they went, he should be around this area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they just uh, went with it. That's definitely something they've developed a lot over the years of, of eye gaze, because I think that does sometimes even in this film i think he's a slightly off in parts but not enough that you notice it or 
detaches you from what's going on. Yeah. Critically, the movie had a mixed response, which I guess sort of lands somewhere in the middle of us three. Yeah. Praising the effects, but not being bowled over by the actual plot. Yeah. It has a rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 51%, so it almost couldn't be more down the middle. Wow, that's low. In terms of the box office, though, it was a huge success. Um, It made $290 million worldwide on a $55 million budget. Wow. Which uh, I put in an inflation calculator, which is uh, $520 million. Goodness. So uh, the thing that shocks me about that is that this movie didn't have a real sequel. But did it have a sequel? I feel like I've got memories of a sequel. So there was a straight-to-TV prequel and a straight-to, like, almost like a backdoor TV pilot with, oh, uh, oh, what's her? Lizzie McGuire, the actress who plays Lizzie McGuire. Hilary Duff. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. All I remember is a ghost Hilary train. Duff, yeah. I remember a ghost train and that's all I remember and it gave me nightmares as a kid. I like that, though. I'm fed up with sequels. Threequels, fourquels. I mean, this was 1985, though. Would you have had a sequel burn at that point? Probably not. Probably would have enjoyed having a sequel to this one. Uh, yeah, it would have been my first. It would have been my first. <laughs> been the first, yeah. As a five-year-old boy. Do you, uh, do you guys want a fun fact? Yes. No. Okay, Alex, this one's for you. And I think, actually, this one is for you. So, did you recognise the room where the party, like, the, the main, like, entrance hall of the movie? Did you recognise that room? No, but now you're saying it. Is it the, is it the room where the Backstreet Boys video is? <laughs> you're absolutely correct. Oh my god, is it? That is crazy. That's really, that, is, that, is, that is absolutely insane that you guessed that. I was <laughs> racking my brain thinking, oh, where, what else used that room? That is ridiculous. <laughs> it's the spiral floor. Backstreet Boys. It is. It is now like you mentioned it. As soon as you said it's been used to Ross, I was like, oh my god, it's the, it's the room from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away, your, it was, your it was synapses like, connected. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like you just, you know, you see like a, a, a visual from like a film, so be like, yeah, just like a spark in the, in, in the old uh, brain connectivity. That was what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your long-term memories are scary. Yeah, for, for, for anyone who doesn't know, the Backstreet Boys song that Alex is referring to, the anthem that Alex is referring to, is everybody, open brackets, Backstreet's back, close brackets. So Respect the brackets. If you don't view that on YouTube now, there's something wrong with you. And you you should not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> don't, don't know. Come back. <laughs> it's too late. Everyone's left. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a three now, guys. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I want to talk about Casper. Okay, well, I'll talk about that too. American listeners, this one's for you. Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the US Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send and you'll get exclusive discounts on postage from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop-off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shopping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk, and with the promo code POD, you'll get a special offer that includes four-week free trial, plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in POD. That's stamps.com. Promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go back to the post office again. 
Okay, so there are three songs in this movie. Uh, the first of which is Same Song by Digital Underground featuring Tupac, uh, which is just used, as far as I can tell, during the party's generic background dance music. <laughs> in my opinion, nothing to write home about, uh, nothing really to discuss. So, uh, guys, the floor is yours if you want to say anything. No. No, I, I just always find it unusual when you're... If you're picking something that has no real relevance to the scene, I always wonder why you go with like a certain type of music if it's made by a famous artist. Because surely the royalties are going to be more expensive. And maybe detach yourself more from the scene or the point. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, I'm pretty sure this is not a famous song because I've never heard of it. And I know it's featuring Tupac, I think. That's right, it? yeah. But still, I always think, like, just, just pick something random from... Well, pre-Google, but there must just be... Just pick up fountains. a paper and look at the Billboard chart. Just pick any song. Yeah. Just give Steven Spielberg a guitar and just make him hum over it. <laughs> that's what kids bopped to in the 90s, I think. Well, it's funny you say that's what kids bopped to, because I, I assumed the reason they had this song was because it was like a big song right at that moment when the film was made. I mean, I've never heard of it until I watched until I listened to it earlier, but one thing I did notice is, did you guys watch the video to this song? No. I did. The video... It seems to feature scenes from a different film. Oh, really? With Chevy Chase in it. Yeah, I think it's. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Oh, god damn it! What's the film where he play? Uh, he plays like a cop. I mean, that doesn't narrow it down, does it? Um, it's gonna come to me. It's gonna come to me as I look up Fletch. I honestly don't know. I don't know what the film was. Only that Chevy Chase. Fletch. Fletch. Okay. Fletch. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the movie is nothing but trouble. Damn. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> It looked like a like a spoof horror film. I've never heard of I've never heard of that one. Yeah, it didn't. It looked it looked like a like it was like spoofing like ham horror or something. It was weird. Chevy Chase is one of those people where people say he had a golden generation of films, of which I think most that's shocking. <laughs> we spent far too much time in this song already. <laughs> the video is weird. Let's just put, let's just put it like that. And it's weird to see Tupac in the video actually featuring the video. <laughs> that was the weirdest bit. Being carried like a sultry. Yes. We'll cover that when we do nothing but trouble. The 1991 black comedy yeah. horror film. And when we do that, it's a dark day for this podcast. <laughs> We've literally covered every film if we're covering that. That could be next year's Halloween episode. Okay, I look forward yeah, to it. It's a scary thought. Anyway, so now we've got that song out of the way, we can crack on with the real songs of this movie. First up, Jordan Hill's Remember Me This Way, which was the lead single of the movie and is a powerful pop ballad packed with all the emotion and 1990s movie song cheese that you can take. The yep. song plays out as the newly transformed real boy variant of Casper enters the party, approaching... Oh, it's Cat. That's the name. I've written it down here. Cat. Yes. Uh, Christina Ricci to dance. That's right. <laughs> the two dance in that perfectly all-American, end-of-term school ball way, you know, uh, arms on each other's shoulders, two-stepping side to side. <laughs> yeah. That is, however, until Cat realises not only is she dancing with this stranger who has swept her off her feet, which is actually now... Off her feet. <laughs> Alex is going, oh, there's layers to this. <laughs> <laughs> there is, for once. So floating in the air, it dawns on her. It's Casper, but with flesh. So lay it on me. What do you think of this song and its usage in the movie? Um, I didn't think much of this song. It was <laughs> like a precursor to Diane Warren, but it didn't quite hit the heights of Diane Warren. Yep, when I first heard it, I was so hoping it was a Diane Warren song. It sounds like it, 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 it could be, but it's just not quite good enough. And it's weird because it's sort of a part sounds like Against All Odds by Phil Collins. And then it also <laughs> sounds at parts like um, When You Believe from Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. But it's obviously neither of those two songs and it, will, it never will be. I wasn't a fan. 
really. It was just kind of nothing. I enjoyed the scene more than, than the song. What about you, Ben? Yeah, if I, if I was playing the sort of guess the lyrics game and you played a, a line from that song and then stopped it, I would sing at like three or four other yeah. songs because it feels like it's like a um, like a, a Christina Aguilera song when or a comes um, along. Mariah Carey song. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one that mainly kept me. But at one point, I also sang Ben by Michael Jackson. Oh uh, yeah, I, I can hear that. But maybe that's just because I like singing about myself. <laughs> Even though it's a song about a rat. Um, I love the song. Um, bar the fact that it reminds me of all those sort of... Yeah, I, I, I think it, it goes off to the point where I, I'd almost be wanting to say, oh, you're still singing? No, 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 come on. This could be like a two and a half minute song. As for its use in the scene, again, I think it does work. If they'd have picked a really famous song of the time, I think it would have detached from the scene. I think it's wanting to, you to bring focus to the characters and what's going on rather than one that comes to mind a lot is, is the Leonard Skinner Freebird in uh, the Kingsman film like you're just that that that's there just to kind of detach and just have a really cool scene because it's got a really cool song and it's almost just you could take that scene and enjoy it in that whereas I think this complements the scene quite well keeps you in going with the film it fits those light motifs the little piano um chords that go off throughout the film that Alex already mentioned because the the song starts with just piano chords and it eases in and it eases out quite well. Yeah, it doesn't overpower the scene. Your focus remains on Cat and, and Flesh Casper. Yes. <laughs> Stop saying the word flesh. <laughs> flesh Casper does sound awful. Uh, do you guys want a fun fact about this song? Yeah, go on. I'll take a front. I'm, I'm more fun now. Okay. This song was in the movie Casper. Yeah, that's that. Please don't say that's the only fact. <laughs> yeah, that is. There's not much about this song online. Uh, I searched high and low, and there's just nothing about this song's creation. Uh, there's nothing about its like marketing or how well it did. Uh, the people that wrote it were David Foster and Linda Thompson, who were just like notable songwriters. Names. I couldn't find an interview with Jordan Hill about anything about this. It's just nothing. So I reached out to her. No, you didn't. Did you really? <laughs> no, you don't. Give me, give me, I reached me. out to her on Instagram. Oh my God, where's this going? And uh, just like the Role Models episode, I didn't get a response from her. Uh, but if in some sort of shocking turn of events, we do get a response between nice. this recording on the 21st of October and this episode's release on a week from now, I'll include it now and Future Dietrich can interrupt me now. Hi, Future Dietrich here. She didn't respond. No, nothing. Okay. <laughs> One day someone will respond, and it will be Simon Webb when we do the uh, Rise of the Soul stuff. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like who Jordan Hill is, she was basically just a young singer at the time that songwriter and producer David Foster sort of took under his wing and thought could be the next big thing. She had one album, which was the only review of this song I could find, uh, which described this song. It was from All Music, by the way, sorry. Wikipedia's favourite. Uh, which described the song as pretty... And then went on to say that the best attribute of this song is that Christina Ricci danced with a ghost, which isn't in the song. No. <laughs> okay, well, I've just gone on her website. I, I don't know. That is it. Is, is, is there anything else? This is what, it was so annoying. <laughs> I'm, th- is it, I'm thinking it's like the Donnie Darko or the Matrix thing, like there's something hidden. Like I've got to click on like an eyelash or like somewhere in the darkness. Yeah, I actually cool. looked at the code, like the source code, to see if I could find like a hidden link. I thought, oh, maybe she's like, accidentally done it wrong and the, the picture's gone on top of the links. No, nope, nothing there. Do you want another fun fact, though? Yeah. Come on. 
keeping with the same scene, but uh, not about Jordan Hill. The actor Devin Sauer plays Flesh Casper, um, but this is not his most famous role. <laughs> what is his most famous role? Go. Oh, Ooh. is it Flesh somewhere uh, else? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it? Well, I mean, he uses his flesh in the other versions, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. So it's not like Ghost Brad Pitt. Okay, I'll say. He was Stan in the music video by Eminem. Whoa. <laughs> really? Yep. Wow. Love it. Love it. Love it. Which links us back to Venom 2, <laughs> because that's the song in Venom 2. It's all been about Venom the whole time. Anything else you want to say about that song? Because i got nothing and the internet has nothing. No, just hope you're doing well, Jordan. And maybe look at your Instagram messages. So, closing out the movie is a new rendition of the famous Casper the Friendly Ghost theme song from the 60s. Uh, the cover is by rock and roll legend Little Richard. So, following the conclusion of the movie's plot... Oh, I've, I've also written Paul, Bill Pullman's character here, Dr. Harvey. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was Phil Bullman. Uh, so Bill Pullman consoles Christina Ricci and decides that he wants to have a little dance with her, signaling to stretch Stinky and Fatso to play a song. The camera turns and suddenly have guitars and blast out the theme song. Some awkward dancing ensues between the human pair as we go to credits. Oh, it's incredibly awkward. Uh, dur- I don't. I assume you guys know that during the credits, I think it's supposed to be uh, stretch, but essentially it's Little Richard in ghost form suddenly appears during the credits. Yeah, I think it is stretch. Everyone knows this song, so uh, what do you think of this cover? Uh, yeah, it's a nice little fun ending to the film. It doesn't really add anything. <laughs> I think it's a weird, it's a weird little like scene, and, and for some reason, like Casper, the final shot you have of the film is cat the like entering the mouth of Casper, which I think is really strange. Oh yeah, and off putting after he's like spunked the the words the end on top of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that image. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, Explicit some, uh, some of the words you're coming out with today, yeah. At least it wasn't Flesh oh, Casper doing God. it. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. That would be an altogether more horrifying visual. I think what what I really thought when I saw this again was I don't understand what I mean. I already mentioned like what what is Casper looking for. To cross over, like what's his unfinished business? But what is the unfinished business of his three, you know, friends or oh, not friends? They're not his uncle. I always thought they were his uncles, but are they? Are uncles. they his uncles? Or does he just say that? What, what as in like when you, your, fr- your your mom's <laughs> friend is your aunt? Yeah, but what is their unfinished business? When when are we going to get deeper into their backstories? Probably never. <laughs> judging by the amount of decades this has been going. In fact, we never got a proper sequel. Maybe Lizzie McGuire found out. Maybe they really, really, really wanted to work with Hilary Duff. And what do you know? The franchise dies. <laughs> Just as they were about to. It's a shame. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything to say about the song as such. It, it was very much the song, but a rock and roll version. <laughs> there there yep. wasn't much else to say about it, was there? Or was there, Ben? No, I think it just... With where it's used in the film, it was always going to sort of bookend the film. It's the famous song, but that like last sort of ten minutes just is it's too quick. Like we've just had um, the song before it that we just talked about. See, it's got Becky Hill. Is it Becky Hill? No, <laughs> Jordan Hill. No wonder she doesn't respond to our messages. <laughs> Jordan Hill, Becky Hill's actual successful singer. <laughs> that that's what like five minutes before. Yep, and five minutes before that is same song. All the songs appear in the last 10 minutes. 
it just feels incredibly rushed through. So you've gone from having this quite, you know, like you said, somber, powerful pop ballad with that sort of the, the, the heavy emotion of the film, Bill Pullman's character speaking to his dead wife and, you know, saying about growing up. And then all of a sudden we're having a pie. Casper, I don't like Alex said, I don't really know what he wants. Um, it just seems like, oh, you know what? I'm back to being a ghost, but who cares anymore? And then we're supposed to kind of just enjoy it. And I just feel like it just feels rushed. The part when Stretch or Ghost Little Richard jumps through the screen makes me jump. <laughs> I don't yeah. like that. Uh, it's very 3D, sort of mid noughties 3D, you know, doing things with depth just for the sake of it. As for the song, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I've never been a big fan of Little Richard's work. <laughs> for what? <laughs> Uh, for no other reason than I just I'm not a fan. <laughs> for no, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Little Richard. I just don't like it. So you know, it it just feels very sort of pop kids album. Seven. You weren't a fan of uh, Little Richard, but were you a fan of the theme song generally? Uh, of the of the well, I, it's, it's famous. It's well known. I say famous, well known. The first few sort of bars and lines, yeah. you know, and then it just drips off. So yeah, I, I think it's done well. I think it's fine. It's enjoyable. Just I'm jarred by the way it comes in the film. It feels like there should be another five five minutes or so just to kind of naturally flow out more. Yeah, it, um, it, it's odd because throughout most of the film, it deals with the more slower, sadder, more macabre parts with a bit more trust that the audience, like the, the child audience, is with them. But in yes, at the end, yes. it sort of just goes, "Ooh, that was a bit sad. Uh, here's some loud music." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Please walk out of the cinema, you know, dancing. Not like a... Should have, should have ended like the film Saw. Casper um, writes Game Over. Where, like, you just hear the tears. You hear Casper you hear Casper crying as you're leaving. That's what it should have done. But you but you caved, didn't you, Stephen? You caved. That's the thing I always find funny about these films. When the producer... It happened recently with something with um, Ridley Scott. When the producer's so huge, it's always all over the posters and advertisement and the director's just so small, teeny tiny. <laughs> but they just really emphasised for sale purposes, the producer side. Who knows how much involvement they had? Probably very little beyond financing. Yeah, they probably just looked at the script once. <laughs> like, oh, that's a nice idea. Yep. You should you should crack yeah. on with that one. Uh, and you shouldn't always listen to Steven Spielberg because he thought Transformers was one of the best things he'd ever seen. <laughs> what Michael Bay said that Steven Spielberg mm. did that. He said it was really good. So <laughs> he said it to me, but nobody else. <laughs> but nobody. <laughs> and don't ask him about it because he'll deny it. Because you know he's that kind of guy. In a Twitter Q and A, the director Brad Silberling said that he'd reached out to Little Richard to record a version of the Casper theme song for the movie because that's who he wanted. Little Richard obviously agreed to do it. Mm. Uh, the director confirmed in, in his Q and A that. Basically said that he spent the whole afternoon in the recorder studio with Lil Richard, pumping him full of hot coffee to keep his vocal cords soothed. <laughs> Doesn't feel like it's the modern the modern way of looking after your uh, your vocal cords. Yeah, and that sort of when you read through the lines, it doesn't sound like that was a fun experience for him. No, yeah, it doesn't. Does it? Just sat there with a the cow. <laughs> Here you go, Richard. I mean, when I think of this song, this is the version I'm thinking of. So. Maybe that I don't know if that's credits to the film or to Little Richard. What I will say is, if you uh, Google Casper the Friendly Ghost theme song, you normally get this version or a very similar version to this, rather than the original one, which took me a while to find. To the point where there was a point during made notes where I was like, 
was this an original song? Like, <laughs> where, where is the original version of this? I, I didn't know. I didn't know that, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I always knew Casper existed, but I didn't know there was a song. I couldn't remember when the cartoon came. I've got memories of the cartoon, but, you know, time flows differently in my mind. This song originates from, like, an, a 60s short, like a series of shorts. They weren't very good. I, well, I watched one of them and it wasn't right. very good. <laughs> I don't recommend it. No. Did you guys ever play the PS1 video game of this film? Nope. It was hard. <laughs> was it one of those weird movies like, to- like the Toy Story game? No, it w- no, it wasn't as hard as that. It wasn't as hard as Toy Story 2. I think that's like the most difficult game of all time. Toy Story 2 is the hardest game ever made. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fact. It wasn't as hard as that, no. But it was hard still. But it was really weird. It was kind of like... It, you moved around it similar to how you would like a mobile game nowadays. It was kind of like blocks, like you know, move from one block to another, but sort of like you, the, the camera was like off in the the far distance, almost like a like a a board game. It was weird, like Pokemon. No, like um, you were viewing it from the side. It was in three D, but it was almost like you were looking at like a three D board game. <laughs> I can't really describe what I mean. But if you're looking for a hard game, I'm sure people can find it on the uh, old interweb. <laughs> was it on the uh, Sega Mega Drive? No, it was on the PS1. It was it was on the PS1, so it must have just come out like the year that the PS1 was released, probably, based on what you said earlier, dude. You had a lot of games, clearly. <laughs> yeah. I stuck to a croc. Yeah, well, this this was an original one as well. It was uh, pre-chipped. So you didn't even get it from the uh, the illegal people? No, no, it was a genuine, genuine, uh, you know, the thick the thick. <laughs> you can cases. tell how early it was. Yeah, it was in one of the thick cases. So I always distinguished them, because the real games were in those thick cases, whereas the fake ones were in like, sticky cases. <laughs> so, so few you had. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was so few. It was about four or five that came with the console. <sighs> oh. Top five. Okay, top five time then. As we've discussed, the Casper Cinematic Universe is clearly a behemoth of the horror industry (laughs) uh, with the film plus straight to TV DVD releases. Putting that aside, I'm interested, given the season, what are the highest grossing horror film franchises? What I attribute as horror is given to me by the good people of Wikipedia. So, unfortunately, I cannot argue what is classed as horror. You may be able to do that. Don't judge me. Judge Wikipedia. <laughs> what if I go on Wikipedia right now and change, like, the MCU to horror? <laughs> Those days are behind us, D. <laughs> Stop oh, editing Wikipedia. <laughs> Stop it. My thought is that it's probably going to be newer franchises, so I assume Saw will be on there, because yeah. it's like 20 Saw films. <laughs> Saw franchises ninth. Oh, so right. Okay. okay. Um, the oh, sh- the one that's like, oh no, the one that's like the curse of La Laura and the the little girl doll. Annabelle. Yeah, that's that franchise. What's that franchise called? The Conjuring. The Conjuring Universe. Yes, is number two. Well done, D. The highest grossing film of that is The Nun. Paranormal Activity. Paranormal Activity is thirteenth. Alex, terrible. Get your head in the game, please. Sorry. Halloween. Can't even see it. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nope. Yeah, because these are the older ones, aren't they? It's going to be new ones. It's going to. But there's been recent Halloweens. No, but again, again, think of the caveat that I gave. Which was? Why did I give a caveat about arguing potentially what constitutes horror? Goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it. It it is eighth. Okay, it's a good guess. Number one. The number one 
franchise in this list has 36 entries. 36. 36 36. And that doesn't even count every film that's had this thing in it. Is it the thing? No. Uh, King Kong. King Kong is fifth on the list, Alex. Godzilla. Godzilla is number one. (laughs) Of course. There's 36 Godzilla films. So you've got one, two, and five. Godzilla, The Conjuring Universe, and King Kong. So The Conjuring Universe is number two. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. Okay. Again, what I just said, there are Godzilla films that aren't included in this list because apparently it's in another uh, cinematic universe, which is number three in this list. Cloverfield? (laughs) No. What a film, though. Alien? No, Alien is sixth in the list, though. So close. I'll give you number three. Number three is the Monsterverse, which includes Kong, Godzilla, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, because it all is one universe currently. Now number four, five films, the last of which came out in 2017. Don't think you can really count that one, but they all have the same property. Insidious. No. It includes a fantastic film from 1999. I know what you did last summer. No, scary movie. <laughs> no, scary movie. I can see in this list though. Um, Scream. No. Is it the M? Is it the M Night Shyamalan? It's not the M Shyamalan. <laughs> it's not the, the M Night Shyamalan <laughs> universe. Universe. Shamaverse. Shamaverse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> M C U. Yeah, like M Night C U. Yeah. I'm trying to give a clue that doesn't give it away straight away. Please do give the clue. Right. Okay, it gave a wrestler an early start. The Mummy? In movies. It's The Mummy. The Mummy franchise. Oh, oh, really? The Mummy. The Mummy. The Mummy Returns. The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor and Scorpion King. I think I'd go as far as to say that one of that top five are actually horror films. And that would be the country ones. And I haven't seen any <laughs> <Yeah>. of those. <laughs> you wouldn't say the, the Mummy scared me a lot as a kid. It's not a horror film, though, is it? <laughs> Nope. It's more like an Indiana Jones yeah, style. It's like a family adventure. Yeah. The kind of film that they need more of these days. Right, so now it's time to decide what is the best song of... Uh, what, what is the scariest song, maybe? Because it's Halloween. Um, something <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Just well, so we didn't know. Everyone's listening to this straight away. Yeah. Someone might be listening to this on like December 27th and going, but it's Christmas, what are you talking about? Hi, Mum. So, same song, Remember Me This Way, or... The cover of Casper the Friendly Ghost. What is best, Alex? The film. Because <laughs> I can't bear to choose one of those three songs because I didn't like any of them. So you say you're ab- like abstaining? I'm abs- <laughs> abstaining. The first abstain in this in this entire <laughs> podcast. Okay, we're risking a draw here, Ben. Lady with first name I can't remember, Hill. Wow, these songs have left a lasting impression on you too. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. How he reached those notes, I will never know. If only it was Faith Hill. I'll also go Remember Me This Way by Jordan Hill. If she ever listens to this. The thing is, the song's great. I just don't know who you are, love. I mean, she's got things over me. She's got a Wikipedia page. I don't anymore. Just leave that one there. <laughs> so that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. I hope you've been spectacularly frightened by this Halloween special. Let us know on Twitter which song you think is best from Casper. Ben, what is our Twitter handle? At TSFTMPod. If you want to share this with somebody, and you want to share it on Reddit, what subreddit should they pick, Alex? Oh, it's quite obviously the Jordan Hill subreddit. Jonah! <laughs> or any other person that you can think of with that surname. It, the Hills. 
subreddit. The hills. The hills. The hills. The TV show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The hills. You can also help the podcast by signing up to our Patreon, buying our merch, or leaving a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us out. And it's free. Alex likes free stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be so confused by that. Anyway, um, all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. If a ghost is a living impaired, then this is a podcast impaired. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. I drank a fifth of vodka, damn it, you drive. Ooh. Ooh. Clearly you didn't have that one prepared before we started. <laughs> I never do. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Ghosts and such. Do you remember that song by Phil Collins in the air in the night? <laughs> Phil could say that other guy from Drowning, did he? What you are now about to hear is furious clicking.